there, folks, and welcome or welcome back to Nippon Trading International's Japan Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Ziv Nakajima, again, and this podcast is brought to you, among others, by Emil Gorgis of realestate.jp. He's a Tokyo real estate agent who specializes in serving international or mixed nationality families who are looking for the perfect family home. So Emil's an Australian. He's been living here in Japan for over two decades now. And for about half of that time, he's been buying, selling, and managing real estate properties in Tokyo on behalf of his own family and a great many happy clients. And he also acts as a mortgage broker on behalf of his clients. So he's got dedicated loan officers in many of the Japanese mega banks. And if you're a regular listener of the podcast, you probably already know him from our JREP, the Japan Real Estate Experts Panel Sessions which means that you're already aware of the fact that the man is an absolute fountain of wisdom on all things related to real estate in Japan, and in particular to family homes, the greater Tokyo metropolitan area, and mortgages. And most importantly, he's incredibly generous with his time and advice, which he's more than happy to provide at no cost or commitment to anyone asking. So if you've been thinking about buying your home in Tokyo, but you've been sitting on the fence for a while, or you just want to have a chat in English with a real expert, Drop him a line on sales at realestate.jp. Hit him up today and start exploring your options. All right, so hope you're all as excited as we are for this coming Sunday, 22 October, the second Japan Real Estate Summit in Shibuya, Tokyo. Whether you're coming in person to meet us and the other like minded folks who will attend face to face, network, ask questions, etc., in person or you're not physically in Tokyo and you're tuning in via streaming, which will also enable you to ask questions and have them answered live on stage, we are thrilled to have you with us. And if there's anyone left here who still hasn't gotten his tickets, um, what the hell are you waiting for, folks? Five days left. Stop listening right now. Go to realestate.jp and get your ticket. All right, so for today's episode, this is just me and the J-Rep ladies again, uh, Tracy and Blanca, and they've been analyzing a short-term state property project that they've both been working on together converting a large family home into a guest house. So we talk about everything that goes with that, what license can and should be applied for, minpaku or simple lodging or hotel license, the most advanced one, which lets you rent out individual rooms as opposed to the entire house. Um, we talk about what renovations are required for each type of license and also what types of renovations one should consider to differentiate themselves from the competition. So things like outdoor showers and saunas and game rooms and karaoke setups, uh, pet-friendly properties, and all sorts of other features that makes a short-term state property really shine and as a result, maximize its profitability. So this is exactly the type of analysis that Tracy is going to be going into in her presentation on Sunday. So you really don't want to miss out on this one. She also explains about how to match the right kind of photography to the kind of guest that you're trying to cater to, how different locations and nearby attractions make for different pricing and profitability. And that then led us to a slightly higher level conversation about marketing in general, business growth issues, how to properly prepare for growth, why we do what we do in the first place, what's scalable, what's not, and do we care about it? Um, and then even more off the reservoir, we went to uh, personal boundaries, connecting with customers or the general public on social media, Lots of fun stuff like that. Always a pleasure when it's only the ladies and myself, and this episode was no exception. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as always, and I'll see you again on the other side. All right. Um, the, uh, the more beautiful aspect of the uh, Japan Real Estate Expert <laughs> is in session. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. Where uh, Tracy, uh, Tracy's doing her magic. She's analyzing a, a short-term stay deal for us. So tell us, what kind of property is this? Um, it is a, um, it's a large house that that um, is being converted into a guest house. So we're not quite sure yet whether it's going to be a license uh, for just renting out the whole house. Or whether it'll be as, as a ryokan, as a as a hotel, or whether it's going to be a license, so that each bedroom is going to be its own um, its own room. So there are certain there are certain rules about whether it's a simple lodging. So that's the um, and I, look, I don't have the Japanese on me. I'm not Emil, <laughs> um, but, but there's a there's a simple lodging, which is where you rent the whole house as a uh, 
as a as a hotel um and then there's the other type which is where you rent individual rooms so um and it really just comes down to like the regulations and it's a case by case and it's which city you're in uh so there's a whole bunch of fun that comes with that um obviously being having the flexibility of being able to rent each room um and then also rent the whole house as a as a, as a one-off as well that any sort of thing where you can have more flexibility is better um so you know i guess from you know, in terms of flexibility, it goes from like Minpaku, which is only 180 days a year, uh, to Ryokan, simple simple lodging, which is the whole house, 365 days, and then the uh, multi the multi room where you can rent out multiple rooms as 365. Um, awesome. mm. I wasn't aware of that. I thought that if you got the hotel license, you can do both. No, there's different rules, and um, uh, so. With the simple lodging, it's sort of again, it's more like a just because I've got a simple lodging one on my on my property, and it's basically just like like minpaku on steroids. So it's just you know, it's a what you would probably what what some people would say. Oh, this is an Airbnb house, um, but you it has a hotel license on it, so you just rent the whole thing, um, and that has some rules on it based on if it's gas, if it's electric where are the exit lightings, um, what's the safety safety certificate. Um, but then if you have a larger house and you've got multiple rooms, um, and you can you can get the individual room. So even if you're um, you, there's a shared bathroom, um, you uh, so so the, the, the rules are you'll need to have a lock on every door for sure, which is pretty standard. Um, you can have shared bathrooms, but there's got to be so many per floor. Uh, based on how many rooms that there are. Um, and this particular deal that we're doing will have actually in on-site management. So the actual manager of the property will live in one of the bedrooms and also share the things like the kitchen and the bathroom. And um, then there's a couple of bathrooms, but it'll be a private, you can lock off that uh, that manager side. So they, their life is will be, you know, they'll have a little bit of a separate life from, from running the of the hotel so um you know i guess that like the old b&b style or um you yeah. know that we're used to um country country uk for example mm. and what does the um so is the property ready as it is or does it need work or well, no, that's why blanco is here because uh yes it does need so it, it is actually a big old family house it, it needs a lot of work because you know we went for i mean in general, it looks good for the property of the size. It looks it looks reasonably good, but of course, you know, right now there are carpets on the floors with uh, which are not in a condition at all to be kept. So, you know, all the carpets will have to be removed and put in uh, a good flooring. Uh, we were discussing the flooring that is actually pet friendly because in that area, it's great to come uh, if you have a pet and there is definitely not enough pet-friendly uh, short-term rentals. So uh, that actually can be one of the niches for the clients as well. So put a pet-friendly flooring, then all, of course, all the wallpaper and the ceilings, they all have to be changed. But, uh, you know, when we did the very thorough examination, the bathroom has to be changed completely uh, and the kitchen as well, because unfortunately, you know, it's oh, I think it's also because it has been uh, empty for a while. The humidity did its job, so it's part of the kitchen. It's kind of like expanding because uh, it's not a real wood, but it's the composite. The kind of so basically, so now it's like uh, expanding and it's kind of foamy. So there is nothing. There's not. There's not a way you can you can actually salvage that. So considering you are doing it um, as a minpaku and not your second home. Uh, it's actually important to kind of put it in a good condition when the clients are going to be using it. So there is a quite a lot of work on the inside. And then, uh, you know, outside, there are some wishes that the client wants to add because it's a great location. And it has so many outside water outlets that those can be utilized for like the outdoor shower, which is perfect because uh, you know, you go for, you go for a bike ride in that area. You come, you are all sweaty, 
So you just kind of want to, you know, maybe shower a little bit or just, you know, flush yourself, especially if you're also there with the dog, you want an outdoor shower for the dog so you can you can kind of spray him off and things. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that can be done there. But... <laughs> I was just, I'll just interrupt you there, Blanca. When I was look, talking about the outdoor shower, I was thinking of something a little more sexy because it like, you know, you could build something that's really and uh, like, that you could have a little private space outside and make it really an outdoor, really sexy outdoor shower. So, oh, yes. Okay. Mm. Okay. You, you meant that kind of outdoor shower. I was more practical, you see. It, it, it just double duty, double duty. But if you have it so that you can actually have it private then um, and big well, enough, it's got a such space, a big garden. It's got such a big garden. Enough, the space is big enough. So then depending on where... You want to put it because the side on uh, the the one of the sides of the house it's quite free. There is not much there, and there can be a really nice outdoor shower, uh, shower and outdoor sauna. I know. I was suggesting. Um, uh, so, what you want to do um, when you're, especially in the countryside, because this is in a, this is not downtown. This is going to be like near near the beach. Um, having having a kick-ass amenity like your um, like those outdoor saunas and the one that I found it's like what a barrel it's a yeah. big round one and that it's like it looks epic in photos because remember the photos are what's going to sell yeah. um, and you can get you can get this one fitted like installed and fitted for about three thousand dollars or that, you know that is interesting price because i was looking at some as well and they were far more expensive so this is just for two people it's a two like it's not a big one it's a quite small but yeah. um but it's you know you really uh, you know it's really for the photos and it's really just yeah. and also to differentiate yourself um f- from the neighbors or from from yeah. And, yeah so but that that was an interesting price i thought um That's a very good price actually because yeah looking at some of them but I mean my team we were they were actually uh they came up with this idea to me about a month ago that they would be really interested to do that as part of some of the renos so they were like oh we'll we'll build one in your house so we can then you know be taking pictures and promoting it (laughs) the outdoor outdoor sauna yeah but (laughs) but I'm like ah I don't want anything else in my house anymore. That's um, that's a point that we actually don't talk about that much. We always talk about the legal aspects and the logistics of management and so forth, but we never actually, I think, spoke in detail about the differences. Because obviously, when you're going to be catering, I actually just had an email like that from someone today. They're looking at this old shack for twenty, thirty thousand dollars in the countryside, and the location is beautiful. It's near a river. It's got grass. I'm sure people will want to rent it, but no, not as it is. Nobody wants to stay in an old... I mean, some people do, like the people who come to stay with Byron and uh, and his yeah. wife. But most people are looking for a comfortable, convenient, modern interior, right? And you could make it sort of, you know, what is becoming popular is, is like, you know, destination accommodation. So if you make it, if you make it um, rather than just a place to stay, but make it like, um, like um, I've forgotten my English, like aspirational. So have something that you like going, yeah, either, either differentiate yourself with like amazing um, interior design or, um, you know, really niche down and do interior design or maybe off grid if you want to be very sustainable because that's a you know that's a that's a really key demographic. The pet friendly, absolutely. Um, you know, having this this outdoor sauna and outdoor shower. I mean, those those are the things that are really gonna you know go. Yeah, I want to go and stay there, even if yeah. it's not like right next to the beach or right next to something else. Like having that destination, um, aspirational destination is is really uh, I think is the way forward. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> that we always say will not actually change the value of your house so only do them if you're interested in them but short term stay they are relevant yeah but those things they will convert they will con if you are doing a rental property it will convert because you you really need something that people will look at it and go like okay this is why i want to stay there Mm. right because the competition 
it's getting really, you know, it, it's quite big, I would say. So you you need to have something. And as Tracy said, it looks if it looks great in a pictures. That's right. And you can really like you can really market it to, you know, a certain demographic. I mean, if you are really crunchy in granola and and you do like the off-grid or, you know, the sustainability, if that is you and your personality, um, and that's something that is in your value set. That's something that you can totally market and and like and get money for it um, because you'll find other like-minded people and they're the and when you've got that sort of synergy that's that's the when the businesses go really well and you know where to market to you know the language to use you know the photos to take that's going to appeal to that demographic so yeah being very clear about who you're renting to um, and just having some really kick-ass um, uh, amenities that. Um, you know, whether it's a games room, because we're actually talking to this client as well about having a games room. Um, I mean, there's nothing around that has a games room. In in America, the short-term rentals, they've all got games rooms or they've converted a garage into a games room um, and or they've got the pool or whatever. So it's it's here in Japan, the short-term rentals are still fairly generic. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's the market's going to mature and the ones that you can command that high price for are going to have something that, that photographs really well and that people want to take. Like putting a games room in isn't actually that hard. It, it doesn't cost a lot of money. It's just it's, using your imagination and, and having the guts to go and do it. For, that, for this particular client, I would say it's going to cost a little money because where we want to position the games room, it has to be fixed up a lot and then, also, uh, the walls over there have to be enforced. Yeah. You know, so so basically it's almost like building a new room. <laughs> because if you got it, when we got what it's there now. Uh, it's we would pretty be, flimsy. Yeah, it's pretty flimsy what's there now. It, it yeah. is. So to enforce it, uh, to enforce it, it will cost money, but then it can be. It will uh, pay for itself. It will exactly, pay because for itself. Mm. You are already if you are already uh, building the new walls, you can easily soundproof them. So once you soundproof them, you know, palm, you put in karaoke, and after the kids finish playing and they go sleep, the adults can have a lot of fun. Mm. And so w- what I do is I help people figure out, well, you know, if I put in this amenity, how much does it cost and how long will it how long will it take or how much can I put up my nightly rate? And so how long will it take me to pay off this? Um, and I usually feel a conservative on that um, on on that piece um, because uh, you know you don't want to you don't want to overpromise and underdeliver. Um, so but you you know you can say well this amenity here you could you could probably charge an extra thousand yen a night two thousand yen a night and that's gonna that's gonna pay itself off in however many months. Especially because I can tell you that a foreign clients will look at this as a big plus. Maybe not a Japanese clients, but foreign clients they will consider that to be a big plus because they are all looking for a place to have the kids you know, kind of on their own. They know that they are noisy. We are even fixing up, we are right now fixing up one of the one of the skiing condos and we are actually adding an extra room, building a room from a scratch from where right now is uh, nothing, just beams. We are building a new game room there because the client is like, listen, we are usually here at least two families, two to three families with children. Mm-hmm. We don't want the kids to be downstairs with us when, you know, us adults are watching telly or we are, you know, drinking, having conversation. We want them upstairs with their, you know, PlayStation or whatever, you know, in that room. So we are building an extra room. This client, this particular client is willing to spend uh, almost two million yen on the room alone just to have the new room. So the kids, so they can get basically rid of the kids. (laughs) But it's a very, very good investment because when you think about it, if you have families, if you want to appeal to families, they need to know that, okay, the kids will have a good place where to spend time because if kids are not entertained, the parents are not happy. But you can also adapt, have a hybrid games room and to really appeal to a Japanese audience as well by just adding in a karaoke feature. Right? That's what I 
because uh, that's why I mentioned the karaoke. But what I'm saying, like maybe Japanese clients are not that particular about having a games room. I don't know if they are really if that is something that they are really looking forward for to. But I think that foreigners they definitely are. Sure, it depends on the age group. I think groups of like millennial Japanese will certainly be interested in a games room karaoke. You know, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but um, but families, you know, slightly older foreigner families. So yeah, you can have multiple multiple guest avatars that you're marketing to, and just with some slight tweaks, really sort of hit the hit the pleasure point or the pain point of of, of your guest, uh, and to convert because it's what you got to do. There's so much competition that you want to be you know grabbing them and like making that that conversion happen. Yeah, you mm. want to pick as many boxes as possible. So yes. yeah. So I think that's really good. So like we're doing that and then, you know, if they can get add a little workout room there as well, I find that to be always really helpful. I'm kind of, even when we travel, I always like, not that we particularly always end up using it, but like having an option to go to gym is always a good option. If it's just because we even have few machines behind our house just for us, like, okay, if I have 15 minutes in the morning, I can go and, you know, do few do do a short workout so it's always good to have that option for clients and this one the property has the space so there's a lot and then you know at a at a, a barbecue and and you're golden yeah. I, I know some women in in tokyo um and when she designed her short-term rental in tokyo she looked around and was like saying okay well what a what don't what isn't around and she noticed that there was not the home gym um that uh, that was very popular for overseas and so when she designed her place she had a size of concrete you know a concrete um building in ebisu and she put in um uh she got the builder at the building stage to actually build in like pull-up bars oh that walls into the walls and then and also then she's got photographs of like here is with someone with someone doing yoga like they've got the yoga mat out or they've got the pilates ball so that's who she's targeting and marketing to and it was just a very smart idea of hers at the building stage the design phase to go right well what's the amenity that's going to convert and or and also set me apart from everyone else in the street she was such a clever thing to do yeah well this place has has a nice space outside so a lot of like outdoor activities can be done there so I would definitely not be not be worried about that. So at the end of the day, it all boils down to budget. Yeah, and and I've and I've told this. So this is the same client that that um, that Blanca and I are working together on. And I've I've told this client that there are also ways that they can add additional money by mm-hmm. you know maybe having a few um, like e-bikes to rent or um, having, you know, being able to offer a, a pickup service to the, to, the, uh, to the beach and back if someone doesn't yeah. have a car. So there's a couple of ways to add additional revenue streams on top of their nightly rate. Yeah. But um, during the summer is where they're going to really rake in the money. So the pets, being pet friendly, they can charge additional money for being pet friendly um, and have, it, have an additional deposit for being yeah. friendly, um, for damage and things, um, and then as well some of these extra, some of these extra items. Yeah. Um, so uh, the 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 games room, they're going to have to offer that for free. They're not going to be able to charge extra for it, but they will charge an addition, like a premium overnight rate. Yeah. Really, okay. <laughs> it's a it's a great location. So I think they can really really do well on it. It's just that like yeah, we just have to get in. And uh, they have to decide what they want to do from what we're going to be offering them and then decide what they do want to do, what they don't want to do. And then go from there. And then you want to figure out, I've got to figure out how much they can earn per month. And it's like, because there's, there's not a huge, I, I'm looking at the, like the data tools. So I use things like air DNA and I use price labs and some of these, um, uh, aggregators so they're big, it's big data that's scraping all of the mm. all of the information on price and availability and, and it does crunches all the numbers of what's around in the area but yeah because it's, there's not a huge number of short-term rentals in the area I'm really going on a on a on a limited data stack 
and then having to put my own magic on top of it to go, you know what, even though the data is not showing this, if you get these amenities and you're marketing it to this particular demographic, then I think, don't want to put my reputation on line, I think that you're going to be charging this amount of money and so this is the amount that you can cash flow out yeah. afterwards. So, I guess you can estimate based on um, distance from popular attractions, right? Like if this particular neighbourhood is that distance to Tokyo Tower, for example, then it's probably going to be similar to that neighbourhood, right? Yeah, in Tokyo, it's a lot easier because there's so many more short-term rentals in Tokyo. But when you're kind of in the countryside, it's a bit hard and it's a bit of like you've got to hold your nose and jump, really. And, uh, like, you know, And but the thing is these are clients who are investing money, so it's like they're really relying on my, like, professional opinion. So I've got to temper the... I've got to temper that um, uh, with what I can prove or what I can, you know, what's going to happen. So it's like, oh, it's really, yeah. it's a bit nerve wracking right now. Mm. We interrupt this broadcast to tell you about Tokyo Family Stays. They're a short-term rentals company in Tokyo and they offer a home away from home experience, which is just perfect for remote working, quarantining, if that's still a thing, or if you just need somewhere quiet to get away from the world. They offer a variety of options for families, corporate relocations, or even if you're simply transitioning between homes in Tokyo. The properties are super comfortable, tastefully furnished, fully equipped with all amenities, and they accommodate up to 10 people. So really the only thing you'll need to bring with you is your toothbrush and maybe a change of clothes. They come with fast unlimited wireless internet, dedicated workspaces and fully equipped kitchens and they're just a delight to stay in. Fantastic alternative to Japanese business hotels, which if you've ever stayed in one you probably know, they're tiny, they're noisy, fine for a night or two if you're on your own, but longer term or with a family you'll probably feel you're in a jail cell very quickly in a Japanese business hotel. So if you want to give yourself a sense of space and freedom by renting a real home, with comfortable Western beds, including all the necessities like baby bedding, children's toys, high chairs, etc. You definitely want to reach out to Tokyo Family Stays. They've been at it for over a decade. They're a fully licensed minpaku or short-term stay operator. And as a special bonus for our viewers and listeners, they're also throwing in a breakfast basket upon arrival for anyone who books and mentions the Japan Real Estate Podcast or NTI. And not only for guests, if you're a property owner, you've got an investment property that you want to tweak for higher profit, or a holiday home that you want to rent out when you're not using it via short-term stays, drop them a line today, see how they can help you maximize your property's income. And again, as a special bonus to our viewers and listeners, they're also offering a free audit of your existing short-term stay listings without any obligation whatsoever. So feel free to reach out to them at tokyofamilystays.com. Well worth a visit. And again, if you're in the market for a family home in or around the Tokyo metropolitan area, Emil's your man. Don't be shy to reach out to him as well at sales at realestate.jp. And now back to the podcast. Mm. Yeah, it is. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's uh, the, in, the investment at the beginning is always really big. Yeah. And, and then they, they know what the thing is, they know what they're doing. And I think, um, yeah. Um, and, uh, and they've got a they've got a couple of targets that they they can um, you know a couple of tools in their tool belt where they can use off platform marketing to actually drum up the um, interest and not just put it out on the on Airbnb or the other things they can they can actually create their own demand based on their own branding and based on their own like network of fans so um, and yeah. Would- could that this is a place that, that you know it can fit in small retreat as well yes corporate retreats yeah midweek or winter yeah mm-hmm. you know so i mean then you have yet another group and because you have the space outside you can do uh even yoga retreats you know and it's a very nice area you know with the air with the fresh air and everything i mean it's really nice glorious it's glorious yeah and so, Ziv, how are you going? It's been a while since we've seen you. Uh, we're doing well. Um, on a bit of a property purchasing blitz. So we've got that um, building, rental building that's being um, constructed as we speak. That mortgage has been approved. And now Yay. we're for a home loan, which is going to be a home office. If we get the one we want, at least it's going to be a home office. 
So um, office on the ground floor and then living quarters on the top floor kind of thing, like a big so house. This is, this, is new, this is new for you. So like, because the business line is the, is the rental property, like the rental building, and then there's a private mortgage for your personal. Is that Correct. right? Man, okay. but I haven't heard of that one. Build mm. the office. And it's funny, when we started, we were working from home with our single staff member. And then we all know we got to get a central office and we got to, we want to separate it. And now we're kind of circling back to having the home office again, but in a, in a more appropriate space. Mm. Yeah. Well, how, how many, how many is in your team now? Um, one, two, three, four will be four of us in the uh, Fukuoka office and one in Tokyo plus the two of us. So seven. Wow. Great. That's amazing. That's amazing. And, and, you know how, how much money have you got under um, under management now? Um, I was trying to work that out. I'm not sure, but I'm guessing if we run an average of let's say four million yen per property times about two hundred of them, so I guess about eight million dollars worth of assets ish. Oh my gosh! I love that. Love that. Oh, that's, that's that's fantastic. Oh, that's brilliant. Oh, a while ago, but we were kind of holding off, holding off, holding off to see if it's uh, sustainable, but it's definitely sustainable. What's not sustainable is our staffing. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, my yes. God. Same problem. It's I'm, I'm dying here. I need Jimmy and I uh, so badly and, like, at least one more Egyoman. Uh, it's bookkeeping now just because we've already cycled through two or three bookkeepers and that's the most heavy in training heavy aspect of our work is to train the bookkeeper to do bookkeeping for like 200 customers or whatever the case may exactly. be yeah that's that's hard because and also because you're holding you're holding other people's cash which is exactly. which you've got to be auditable right yeah mm -hmm. training them. And then after six months, for whatever reason, they leave. And then it's another six months of training in Yuan, which takes us another six months to find. So we just, you know, screw it. We're just outsourcing all the bookkeeping to a yeah. single care who's doing it. I just talked to the Shacho. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Well, I'm onboarding some new properties in the Tokyo Family States. Yes. Um, I'm still desperately looking for some rental arbitrage deals. Oh, I've got I've got cash to burn. So if you hear of a friendly landlord who wants who'll let me rental arbitrage, I'm I'm all ears. I'm you, don't have, you don't need a house in Matsu. Sorry. Sorry. I'll shut up. <laughs> no. No, I have not, not in Matsudo. <laughs> not in Matsudo. Yeah, I have two. I would have given you two of mine. <laughs> no, not in Matsudo. So so Zib, what were you gonna say? You you met someone. Yeah, who just slept at one of your properties. He came from Tokyo. He just stayed at one of your properties. He was uh, very pleased. He said it was amazing. That's I know who I know who that client is, and I had a lovely coffee with him. Um, and yes, um, yeah, he just stayed in one of my properties, and um, and he's now down to see you because he's looking at buying, and he probably won't because he was sort of saying, "Oh, what, what about this building?" And I'm like, "Going, oh, you wouldn't be able to get a license for this particular one." So, yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah, he was staying in a nice place. Mm. But we're both talking about uh, it would be really nice if we could replicate you to other parts of the country because just Kanto Kanagawa is um, not, not enough for us. Well, you know what? I think my goal really is to try and do get some systems in place and to do myself out of a job um, in terms of, like, the guest communications and so then, then I can, like, rinse and repeat in other markets. Um, but, you know, I really I really do love, as much as I love teaching and love, I love consulting, I really do love catching up with my guests. Um, yeah. I do, I do, I, you know, I love meeting them. I love, I love making them happy. Um, you know, it's just feeds that sort of people pleasing gene that I think I have. Um, but I've also learned some boundaries on, on, you know, making sure that I'm, I'm people pleasing the ones that are like giving me the love back. And it's just, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's a bit addictive actually, you know. It is yeah. very, and even like the, the customer communications and, you know, enjoying it on a daily basis is just really, it's very addictive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I do have to sort of try and get my dopamine hit 
as well as, you know, manage my time. I mean, I've got an intern, I've got an intern starting next month and his job is going to be really to, to take our automation and next level up. Um, and, uh, you know, because just some things that we're doing manually that we could be automating. And so, and I just don't have time to implement. So Exactly. Like I, I love going out and looking at properties on behalf of customers and meeting them and going on tours, but it's just not scalable, is it? No, no, because I mean, we do that for fun. Like I was just thinking that when my mother lived in Japan, oh, well, she lived in Tokyo for five years. So my mother and my father, and this is 20 years ago that they did that. We, on the weekends, my mother and I had a hobby and we would ride our little bicycle to whatever open room that was available, like model room. And if you're in Japan, if you're in Tokyo, you can, you know, often that come the junk mail that comes in the letterbox, there'll be something, there'll be like a new, like a new bit like um, development. And they always have like an open room. And, and of course, you know, being the sticky beak that I am, um, I, I just... Uh, you know, my mother and I used to just amuse ourselves like on a Sunday afternoon and go and see two or three of these open rooms and like go, you know what, I don't quite like the way that kitchen set out. It's not really practical. Or, or how about those drawers? Oh, I like that cupboard. <laughs> we were just funny old birds we were. Um, and it was just our hobby and it was free and it was um, and it was just amusing. It must be amusing to all of the real estate agents out there as well because we're never going to buy. But, you know. And they can tell usually when you walk in, but then on the other hand, you know, somebody can surprise you. <laughs> yeah, it was it was fun anyway, and, and I guess that was even. But like when I say that was twenty years ago, this is even before I got into real estate. So it was there was something there already that was that you know I, we weren't we weren't the type to go out shopping or and you know twenty years ago there was no there was no shops for us to go and buy clothes in anyway because. No. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was just a way for us to amuse ourselves, um, and, and have a bonding thing together. So, mm. yeah, worked out well, <laughs> worked out well, and you can still do it. Like, you know, there's, there's yeah. still model rooms everywhere. Mm. But you will though, like we, Kika and I still keep the, the property viewings in like really scenic spots that we enjoy the drive down to, but every, everything else we just, you know, outsource. I mean. Honestly, I'm sure in your case too, there are some guests that you don't really want to or have to meet face to face when they check in and check out, right? Yeah. No, no, no. Um, no. Well, someone from my company meets every guest, hundred yeah. um, percent. We did actually have a self check in. So we went to Cirque du Soleil the other day, and we had a check in, and it was like, oh, hang on, there's no one. Like it was Sunday, like none of this team were on, and we it's it was in our house, so it's normally us that do the check in. It's like. We're not going to be here, so we we arranged a self check in system for for, for them. Um, so that was quite funny. <laughs> mm. You're still on with all your renovations, Blanca. You're still involved in every project. <laughs> yes. yes, more. I would say at this point more than I actually thought I will be, because uh, yeah, as I mentioned, I'm short staffed. I I need uh, people in the office. I need people. Uh, for for the work and like Kantoku to kind of you know uh observe and inspect and check on the workers and stuff and because we are short staffed so I basically took on the um I'm the sole salesperson for the for the job right now I do all the I do all like get all the jobs and then you know my guy just uh kind of then he then he works on the on the on the uh, quotations and then you know he supervises as well. So at this point we are basically from the managerial position the two of us and then we have one um, older older gentleman that helps us on the Kantoku point of view. Uh, but you know as I'm saying he's older so he can't. But he's so sweet. It's just I wish like I wish like I had an office full of these old men because that would be a pleasure. It's like they're just so adorable. So I agree. Old yeah. Japanese are very cute. Yes, of course. You know, and Japanese old men love me. They're just so easy to work with. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, everything, everything, and we've done so well. Thank God. <laughs> so we're really busy. Mm. So yeah, if I can clone myself. 
double to triple, that would be awesome. Yeah, I was actually uh, scolded by a customer this week, which made me realize he was like, um, is there anybody else that we can talk to rather than wait for you to reply to our emails every time? Like, yeah, we're working on that. <laughs> yeah. And I try to reply as fast as possible. But then I realized that at times I'm talking to the customer still 11 p.m. Or, mm. or five o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, hold on a second. This is not okay. <laughs> boundaries, boundaries. <laughs> boundaries, yes, boundaries. Therefore, we reply means we're on, right? <laughs> exactly, because once you reply one, then they start asking all these questions and then you realize it's like a two hours convo. Mm. So I'm always like after eight, I'm looking at the phone and it's like, do I want to look at this or do I not want to look at this? Exactly what and I'm then, learning. Yeah. And then I always tell them, yeah, but I have to ask my manager this and it's past eight o'clock and I'm trying not to be that boss. <laughs> So I always tell them I'm trying not to be that boss that manage, that like messages workers 24-7. So I set up my boundaries at least with the, with the stuff that I don't message them past 8 o'clock. That's fair enough. That's fair yeah. enough. Until 8, I still think they can, you know, answer. But past 8, I don't do that anymore. Hmm. Somebody told me last week saying, oh, oh, for a call, I'm available between 1 to 6 a.m. Japan time. I'm, yeah, but I'm not. That's not going to happen. <laughs> then it's crazy. That's like literally your deepest sleep time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, with my consulting, I actually have set up a calendar um, and then people can just book into my calendar. And um, and then I, it's easy then because I just know what, like I just look in the morning and like who's who's booked in and then I can, uh, but I, it's, my calendar is only open from certain times and because there's a lot of people from different time zones, I try to have like, you know, there's one or two days a week where it's like really early morning or late evening so that I can, so that there are some options. But, you know, having from one to five, you know, every day is just nuts when you're running a global business. So, um, no, it's difficult because we all have like something around the world. But, you know, it's different if it's like once in two weeks or once a month. But when it comes every evening, I'm like, no, 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 no. And big projects, I feel bad because I don't want to tell the clients like, you know what, look at the clock. Yeah. Because those are big. We are doing like some really, really nice projects. And and so, of course, they text because they get all excited and, you know, they find new things that they might want to try. But uh, yeah, it's difficult. It's it's hard to because I usually I, I'm very invested in the project as well. Mm. So <laughs> it's it's hard. But yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to be better and learn more boundaries. So I'm not like always on the phone. Well, with my staff, I don't use Facebook Messenger because that's 24 hours. Like, but I I use like a um uh like a like a, a team like a project team management thing and then they can log like you know it's all there the threads are all there and then they can log in at that when when they're at their convenience so we use that it's quite quite good. what do you use Back, hmm? tracy what do you use i use Basecamp, but you know any of those so any of those like slack or monday or uh, trello any of any of those things okay really well. the, oh yeah project money but i don't you know uh, people's private like texts and people's private um facebook messenger i i we i don't use for work at all with I my, don't staff mm. on my facebook sorry i'm not i'm not friends with with people from work on facebook i tried um, that started can't do it anymore they just add me and it's rude not to so. i don't i don't add them i don't add them um, i don't even have I don't even have any clients, I think, on my on my Facebook. Like, because, you know, then, because we have quite a busy life and uh, and I don't want them to think that because I traveled means I'm not working. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, it's at times it's difficult to explain to people that I don't actually have to sit in the office to be on top of things. So I just know, I just always tell everybody, listen, you want to connect on a business uh, level that we can do LinkedIn or in Japan, Line is very popular. So we can create a Line group. Mm -hmm. There's an 
but I don't allow them on my Facebook. I love Facebook. That's why I don't allow them because I share, I actually share on Facebook. So as you know. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yes. <laughs> I love Facebook. I have so many family and friends uh, so far away that for them, it's the way how they can keep tab on our family's, you know, adventures. Mm -hmm. So I actually actively share on Facebook, but that's why like little by little, about every day, I kind of drop one or two person lightly because I realized that those are people I have nothing to, you know, nothing in common with anymore. They were like, I met them and add them uh, some time ago. So mm -hmm. every I would not say every day, but every now and then I kind of, especially on people's birthday, I'm the worst person. When the birthday reminder pops up, I look at it like, like, oh, okay, this person out. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, give them, I give them the gift of freedom on their birthday. <laughs> I'm horrible. Well, most people are exactly like you. I think um, I'm, I'm just like an open book and I've got no filters on my mouth. So I, I share everything and I don't care. But most people, most people are like you. Like if I even say the word Chica and it's not friends only, she'll, she'll, uh, she'll bite my head off. So, yeah. Really? I love, oh, listen, I've told everybody, if, if you take picture with me, you should count that most probably if I had a good time with you, it's going to end up there because I appreciate that, you know, and I kind of, I always, that's what it is. You know what? I share my life. If you don't like it, one, one, one smartest was uh, commenting on, because we went for like an event dinner and I was, you know, sharing from that event dinner because I know that's something like a lot of people actually uh, enjoys. So we, I've shared a, a post from that event dinner and the guy was like, Oh, it's 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 all good. Nobody cares what you ate. <laughs> Why are you on so? Like, ah, buddy, delete. <laughs> 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 it was so quickly out of my. Because <laughs> I was like, it does not even justify a reply. Just like mm -mm, mm -hmm. out of my life. Exactly. What you need, Blanca? I actually love seeing your meal photos. <laughs> You see, I mean, I also love seeing people's like restaurants photos and, and stuff like because for me or travel photos, because it gives me ideas where to go and what to do. We are huge foodies, so we love to go to restaurants. So when my friends post uh, videos or pictures from nice restaurants, even like Izakaya's with good food, whatever, I'm like, OK, where is this gets on my list? Right. So or with travels, I see, oh, great beach. I can see myself there. Yeah. So immediately, where is this? I bookmark it. And next time I'm planning a travel, I know where to go. So I, because I actually believe in uh, like my friend's recommendations far more than any other. So I love proof. seeing social proof. Absolutely. Duh. So I love seeing that on people's feet. So if somebody has a problem with that on my feet, then I'm sorry, they don't belong there. Yeah. You know? Mm. And friend, mm. yep, yes. it was very quick. It was brief. Uh, it was very brief friendship. Uh, I've added him because uh, he closed his professional page. It was one of the one of the uh, possible contractors, and uh... well, we lost her. Oh, we lost her. Okay, she's gone away. Um. But um, so today, I've actually been speaking today at a university. Um, that's why I have a washed face and lipstick on. Um, I was teach not teaching, was I teaching or was I lecturing uh, at uh, a travel and tourism um, uh, university? So, um, so they're like um, second year second year university students um, all very young and fresh faced they're all doing travel and tourism and uh, i gave them a cut down version of the talk that i gave at our um at our seminar last um like last february and uh yeah and it was i gave them the history of the minpaku in japan and and um, the history of the word and where it's come from and also what it's like as a real life minpaku host um on a day-to-day -day basis so um 
yeah, I, I really enjoy speaking. I really enjoyed speaking to the to the students. So and they paid me, which was really great. So I'm open to more of that. So I ask, is it turning into a permanent gig or? Oh no, it's just it was like a like a um, just a um, like a uh, like a. So they have for extra credit. The kids can go to a lunchtime. Uh, to a lunchtime seminar from a visiting person who works in in travel and tourism. And uh, so, you know, today it was me, you know, maybe next month it'll be someone who runs a food tour or maybe next month not, it might be someone who runs a like a luxury tour company. So um, just so that these kids can see um, what, you know, real life, real life working people. Hmm. Really nice program. And they get extra credit. I think that's what they really go for. So. All right. Hell of a lot of fun that was. Hope you thought so too. And yeah, nothing really left to say except come and have a chat. Listen to Tracy do her thing this coming Sunday, 22nd October, as well as to Anton, who's buying and renovating and profiting from Akia's abandoned homes. Uh, Emil, the absolute master of family homes and mortgages and myself, and I'm going to be talking about different asset classes, what each of them might, who each of them might be suitable for uh, or not, and why. And of course, the most popular parts of the event, which are the Q&A panel and the general networking with other folks like yourselves, which is where the real magic and future opportunities really come to life. I cannot wait to see you all this Sunday, either in person in Shibuya or online in the streaming Zoom room. Now, before we go, we're also, as always, going to tell you and also link to our other sponsor's website. That's Hiroshi Shimizu, immigration lawyer and administrative scrivener. If you're thinking about moving here on a more permanent basis, or you're already in Japan on some sort of a temporary visa, and you want to switch to a longer term or permanent one, or if you're considering setting up a local company or a branch office of a foreign company, and you've got any sort of business or visa-related inquiries, or even if you just want to find out what your options are on any of these topics, feel free to contact Hiroshi Shimizu. You can find him at japanimmigrationexperts.com and he can help you set up a company, apply for any kind of visa, or just provide you with the best advice and extremely affordable consultation related to these topics. And he's already done that for many of our listeners. So feel free to reach out to him. Again, that's japanimmigrationexperts.com and you'll be well on your way. And that's it from us for today, folks. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Japan Real Estate Podcast. Do share it with your networks and please let us know what you think. So leave us a short rating or review on the iTunes store, on Spotify, or just drop us a line in the comment section of wherever you might have found this episode. We love hearing from you. Hope to have you with us again next time. And until then, have a great day or night ahead. Yoroshiku! Yoroshiku!